0: Good morning. We're a week into the study. We've got some new guys that are joining us this week that are signing up. I hope you're excited about what you're getting into. Everybody's been into this book, Max Anders book. You've been challenged. Have anybody been in the book this week? All right. All right. See, I was going to have to come down and start taking names because this is a men's group and men step up and we take the challenges that are in front of us. I hope that you're really enjoying the study as we're getting started. For those of you guys that are new to us this week, we're glad you're jumping in. Uh, It's a great place to be as we gather around God's word. Uh, So you should have a blue book, which is Max Anders book, which is the uh, side study. But more importantly, you need this book and you can't have mine. Uh, Because it's well worn and it's got notes, so I hope you've got your copy of God's Word, either in an app format or physical format, and are bringing that with you every time you sit down to spend time with God. A couple of quick things as we get started this morning: Uh, if you have not already filled out a name tag, uh, please do that. We're not going to print those going forward, uh, just for the sake of efficiency and time uh, and the economics of it. So come in, and if you've got guys that are still sitting there and they won't fill out their name tag, slap them around a little bit, fill out their name tag, and put. on for them just like their wife might do, okay? Uh, The second thing is that you have a roster. Everybody has a copy of a roster in the center of your tables. Uh, So take a copy for yourself. It's a way for you guys to connect with one another uh, more than just on Thursday mornings at 6.30. So make sure that you've got a roster for yourself. It'll have name, address, or email address, phone number. Uh, We will get updated rosters for everybody next week. So make sure you grab one, you tuck it in your Bible, and here's what you need to do with that. You need to pray for those guys. Mutually praying for one another. Loving one another, reaching out to one another, contacting one another, text, phone calls, email, get to know the guys. Get ready to spend time with the guys and then work out what we're learning in both the word, the workbook, and in Max Anders' book. Because if you put it in, but you're not pouring it back out into life and relationship with other people, we will tend to do the brain flush somewhere around week two or week three after it comes in. And you've got a good challenge in front of you to understand the Bible better than you've ever understood it. Uh, I come to you uh, not because I'm on staff, but I'm another guy just like you who has a wife and a family and a job and responsibilities. And so I know the crunch that it's gonna take to get some of this done. Uh, Some of us were up late last night so that we didn't have to come this morning and sit around the table going, man, I didn't do it. And that's okay. You found the margin in your life to get it done. The one thing that I want to encourage you to do, beyond simply getting together, uh, is to, in building relationship with one another. Find ways to serve with one another and serve one another. Okay. So as we get started this morning, I'm going to pray for us. Jason's going to come up and lead us off. Uh, If there's anything that you want to let us know in terms of how we can get better at doing Summit, please feel free to give us that feedback. Uh, We love you guys. That's why we're here. We're wanting to invest in you and let iron sharpen iron, and we're raising the mark every time we get together. Amen? Let me pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, we come to you uh, because you first loved us, not that we first loved you, and your love is amazing. It is shaping, molding, renewing, that is chastening the areas of darkness and sin that want to pervade. It is helping us to fight sin, resist temptation, and put the devil in his place because he's ultimately defeated. We don't stand because of who we are. We stand because of who you are and what you've done for us. I love these men. And so would you use the hour that is ahead of us to sharpen us and to shape us for the glory of your name the building of your kingdom, and the love of this city. We pray all these things in Christ's good name, and for your glory. Amen. Well, good morning, gents.
1: That was weakness. Good morning. Good morning. All right, that's a little bit better. As Jed said, my name is Jason Illian. I am one of the leaders here at uh, Men's Leadership for Summit and the Men's Leadership Program. Like he said... Um, There are three or four of us that are helping lead that are not on staff. So much like the rest of you, we have our full-time jobs and wives and kids and everything else. And we're here because we care deeply about not only men, but leadership in our household, leadership in our nation, and how God works in our lives. And if you look at a lot of the challenges that are out there today, whether you're going to look at gay marriage or you're going to look at the challenges of educating our kids or where the moral compass of this nation is— I can point a lot of that back to the lack of true, authentic male biblical leadership. And that changes here, right? This is our opportunity to meet together, to lock arms, to raise our hand where we have blind spots, and to point each other to Christ and abiding with him on a daily basis. So I'm going to show you a quick picture of what I came home to the other day. I came home to this at the house. You're probably thinking one of two things. One, you're probably thinking, "Them, them are some nice shoes, because those are some great Bigfoot shoes. The other one, you're probably spending some time signing me up for the Parent of the Year Award because of this. It's this wonderful. This is my youngest son. His name's Rogue, and he's living up to this. So I come home. Here he is running around, naked as the day is born, manliness flapping in the wind. And I come there, and I walk into the living room, and there's some cheese puffs on the floor, and there's like a chocolate milk carton, and there's like a, a, an apple core, and it's just this complete mess and, I'm, and there's noise on in the background, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm imagining that my wife is duct taped upside down, hanging from the fan in the other room, like the kids have taken over, the inmates are running the asylum. And no, it's just rogue, being rogue, and all this trash on the floor. And I saw this trash, and it reminded me of something that, you know, I'm gonna have to pick up this trash, right? Because if I left that trash there, and just left it there for a day or two, the trash would be the smallest part of my problem. It would look trashy. I like my living room to look nice. But if I leave the trash there for a day or two, the trash is the least of my problems because then I'm going to get ants. I'm going to get bugs. I'm going to get rats because this trash has been hanging out around my house. Now, if I knew you guys were coming over to my house, if I knew when I got home and I saw this and all this trash and stuff was on the floor and I knew one of you guys were coming to my house, you know what I would do? Oh, you know. It's what you do when somebody comes to your house, right? You quickly sweep everything up. If you've got stuff on the floor, you just cram it under the bed, right? You stick it into the closet. You take whatever you can and quickly throw it in the trash. Because you, we, us, want to have this appearance of cleanliness, this appearance of righteousness. When we all know the best way to see what our friends are really like is to show up unexpected. When somebody shows up unexpected at your house, they get to see all the trash, all the life that actually happens at your house. If you'd walked into my house the other day, you would have seen that. You would have seen what life's really like at our house, right? You would have seen Rogue running around naked. You would have seen Rain getting on the iPad when he wasn't supposed to. You would have been seeing Sage stealing another Fig Newton and trying to jump on the trampoline when she's supposed to do in her homework, right? You would have seen real life, you're just to see us trying to manage all this. And as I was sitting there walking through, learning our Bible in 30 days, understanding the Bible in 30 days, and getting the Word this week, it reminded me of something, that I live a lot of my days managing this stuff. We call this a Bible study, and we're going to take 45 minutes at our tables today to talk about how we study the Bible. You know, what are our strategies for getting the Bible early today? in the day? What are our plans for praying? What are our plans for learning how to get close to Christ? But instead of spending 15 minutes up here on the how, I want to talk to you guys about the why. Why do we do this? Because we can't be up there just managing the sins in our life. This, what we're doing in this time, this is not talking to you about how to manage sins. It's not just a, it's not a personal, you know, health, self-help, platform. That is not what we're doing. And if you walk away from seven or eight weeks of this and you just have a better checklist about how you look more cleanly, how you look more righteous, how stuff isn't laying around your house anymore, we've entirely missed the point. Instead of calling this a Bible study, this should be a tract for personal transformation. This should be an opportunity for God to change our lives from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, with Christ in us, we are a new creation right? That new creation doesn't start from the outside in. It starts from the inside out where God transforms our spirit. And then the sanctification process of God then changing our soul on a daily basis. We have an opportunity here, as it says in Luke 9, to pick up our cross daily. What we are about to walk into for the next few weeks is not a checklist. It's learning how to abide with Christ— It's learning how to be changed. So we're not managing our to-do list at work. We're not managing our wives. We're not sweeping stuff under the rug because guess what? I naturally go back to that. I naturally find myself managing my sins, managing my day. And guess what? When you leave that trash in your life, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, if you're being completely honest with yourself, if you talk to the other men at the table and you guys really open up, what you're going to find is you've left trash in your life. That trash that's sitting around, it may have been small at first. It may have been unresolved conflict with your family. It may have been no accountability. But because you left trash, it invited other things. When I leave chocolate milk on the floor, when I leave cheese Puff on the floor, I'm inviting rats into my house. I'm inviting ants to come stay at my place. And when I'm not accountable, when I'm not around other godly men, I'm inviting addictions into my life. I'm inviting broken relationships into my life. I'm inviting pain into my life that will take years and years. And guess what? It's because we left trash out, gentlemen. So when we talk about, hey, are you getting up early in the morning to spend time with God? It's not because we care about a checklist of whether or not, hmm, let's put him on this list and see if he gets an A for all the great things that he's done. It's because we are trying the best we can with the tools that we have to equip you to live a life of godliness. You know, It reminds me of what Shaquille O'Neal used to say on one of his early commercials. If you used to watch Shaq play college basketball, the man was a beast, right? Like He was ripping down backboards, and he got to to the NBA, and he was still smashing rims. And they were always talking about how he dunked. And he's like, you can't fake the funk on a nasty dunk. And what I'm telling you is you can't fake the funk in the Bible study. You can look all godly. You can say the right things. You can have the scripture memorized. You can show up here. You can be in a community group. You can walk through this. And your heart can still be rotten. We can still be hurting. God has to transform us from the inside out. So, what I want to walk through in just the little time that I have this morning is um, Genesis 1 through 11. We're going to read it straight through, guys. We're going to go around the tables. Read it straight. No, we're not going to calm down, relax. Some of you got worried. I'm just going to do some quick snapshots of 1 through 11 and point to what God designed us. You know, as I was reading through this and I was reading through just the, the first part of Max Andrews' books, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be completely honest with you. When we decided to do this book, I thought, man, could we have found anything more dry, more milk toast for these men? Like, I'm thinking about, we need to encourage the men, and then let's get them how to study the Bible in 30 days. I'm like, really? That's the best we can do? And then I got into this, and then I realized something. Is what they're pointing to, especially in this first chapter, this why, is huge. It's transformational. It has been working on my heart for weeks as I've been reading this, and I want to share just a couple quick things about how God is using this. So, if you got your Bible, feel free to open up. We're going to jump through kind of Genesis 1 through Genesis 11 real quickly and I want to share a couple of things. The first two chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, everything here was perfect. We hadn't messed anything up yet. Man hasn't fallen. Everything between there and Revelation 21:22, we've messed up. So, the whole Bible is about us messing up the place except one and two and then what we, what we get to. So you got four chapters in the Bible about heaven and about godliness and about perfection and the rest of us about us messing it up, right? So that's the framework that you have coming into this. And when we look at this and we look at kind of the Genesis 1 through 11, it's a snapshot. What Max is trying to do in his, in his study and what we should, how we should read this is trying to give us a snapshot, especially from male leadership, about what our particular role is and where we need to watch out for our blind spots. And there's lots of things that I think that you could probably take out of it, but there's two specific, two specific points that I want to leave with you guys because I think they're, they're hugely impactful. So if you look at uh, Genesis 2, and we're actually going to take a start at Genesis 3 um, with Adam and Eve, there's two things I want to chat with you. And one of them came out of a conversation that I had this week. Part of the conversation was with one of the gentlemen here at uh, Watermark Plano. And as we were talking I said, how's your week going? He's like, you know, I'm just really struggling to just be faithful. And so I I thought out of that for a moment and, and said, you know, faithfulness is a problem, but I don't think it's our key problem. I think what we most of us struggle with is not faithfulness, it's obedience. We can be faithful. Faithfulness can be a problem, but I think faithfulness is a symptom that, guess what, guys? We just don't want to do what God wants us to do. We just don't want to lead our families well. We just don't want to pray for our wives continuously. We don't want to lead humbly. We want them to take care of us. We aren't just doing what God wants us to do. And he shows us clear examples in Genesis 1 through 11. So when you look at the story of Adam and Eve, if you look at this in chapter 3, what was his only thing? He said, I created this whole garden for you guys. There are two trees in this garden, right? There's a tree of life and the tree of good and evil all these other trees, you can have any of this stuff. It is all yours. Eat from any of it. There's only one tree you can't eat from. Which one? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Guess what? He didn't say we couldn't eat from the tree of life. I hope you don't miss this. We could have eaten from the tree of life, and this spiritual eternal chess match between God and Satan is over. We eat from that tree. We're perfect. We live forever perfect. End of game. Story end. All we had to do was eat from that tree. We had one tree we couldn't eat from, just one. They all look good. We had one tree, and guess what we did? We ate from that tree. We started this off by just doing one thing about obedience. And guess what? Adam was the first guy that couldn't say, well, my buddies made me do it. He was the only one there. And he's still messing it up, right? He couldn't be obedient to that. Moving on, guess what? It is generational gentlemen. Cain and Abel, you go to the next story. They bring their sacrifices. Cain brings some of the fruit from the field, while Abel brings the fat portions of the first from the flock. And God says, Cain, that's not going to cut it. You can't bring me what you got left at the end of the day, gentlemen, after work's over. You can't spend what you need on going out and having a good time. And whatever you got left, stick it in the offering then. You got to bring me the first fruit. Abel, he got it. He said, I'm going to bring the best calf that I have. This one's yours. But Cain, but Jason, Jason brings me, you know, this calf, this one ain't going to make it anyways. This one's about to die. Let's give this one to the Lord. And God says, "Mm mm-mm. He's like, you don't want to be obedient, your mom and dad didn't want to be obedient, you don't want to be obedient, and it goes on after the flood, right? After God saves them, he says, guess what? I want you to be fruitful. This is exactly what it says. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And then it goes to the next story of the Tower of Babel, and the first thing it does is, what do they do? Instead of increase in number and fill the earth and spread out and take dominion and do exactly what God says, they settle down and build a city together. They had one thing that they were supposed to do. One, spread out, enjoy this, fill the earth, take over. And what do we do? We built a city right here. We stayed, you know, God, nah, nah, see, we're not going to listen, God. We got this. So our biggest problem is not that we're faithful. Our biggest problem, men, is we're not obedient. When I go talk to my kids during the day and they're not doing something, I promise you it is not a faithful problem that my kids have. It's an obedience problem. They're just not listening. So if we're going to be men of God, we've got to start by just being obedient. That's number one. The second thing is we don't believe that God is good. We just don't believe it. Because when we don't believe God's good, we don't believe he has our best interests in mind. And if we don't believe he has our best interests in mind, then we're going to take matters into our own hands. When we take matters into our own hands, us as men become one of two things. Some of us become passive, right? And just be like, well, we'll just let it come as it comes. The other of us become recklessly independent. Same three stories. We're going back to the same three stories. What happened? Here we are again in the, in the garden. Satan comes up, the snake comes up to tempt Eve, Adam and Eve, right? No, 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 no. She come, he comes up and tempts Eve. Where's Adam? Adam is the first passive man. It says that he tempted Eve. And guess what? Then Eve takes the fruit and gives it to Adam. Adam could, he was there. What was he doing? So when God then comes and says, Adam, what have you done? What does Adam do? Oh, you know what Adam does? Same thing you did. Same thing that goes wrong in your house. And you say to God, "God, it's the woman you gave me." You blame God. It's God's fault. It's the woman you gave me, God. I ain't taking any responsibility because he was because Adam didn't trust, didn't think he had his best interest in mind, so he became passive, and they ate from the wrong tree. Guess what? Cain and Abel, same story, all over again. God doesn't accept me. God doesn't accept my sacrifice. So what am I going to do? I want to take matters into my own hand. I'm going to kill my brother in the fields on my own. I, I know better than God. So I'm going to take it into my own hand. Tower of Babel, same thing again. We are supposed to be fruitful, increase, multiply, take over the earth, show dominion. And what do we do? We build a city. And why do we build a city? We build it as a monument to ourselves. If I'm one of the angels up there with God, I'm thinking, like, Lord, is this the best we can do? Like, seriously? We just got started, and they're already messing the place up. And guys, this is the same thing that just keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. We don't want to be obedient. We don't believe God's good. And the problem is, is because we keep coming to Bible studies. We keep coming to church. We keep thinking it's about a building. We keep thinking it's about Sunday morning. We keep thinking about, it's about us. When the reality is we're called to be the church. We're called to go. We're called to lead, however imperfectly, but we're called to be humble servant leaders. And our wives don't see that. Our communities don't see that. Our nation doesn't see that. All the things you see are symptoms of the problem that we've allowed. And guess what? It played out from the beginning. So you're asking yourself, why am I coming to this? Why do I get up at five o'clock in the morning when I know you want some sleep? Every man in here loves his sleep. You're coming because you don't want to be a checklist anymore. You're coming because it's not enough to say that I'm a member at Watermark. Watermark. You're coming because something deep down is calling you. Because you know you're part of the body of Christ, and God is tugging on our heart. And what I don't want you to miss: turn to your Bibles, Genesis two twenty six. This is the key point, gentlemen. It said us, "Let us make man in our image." We are made in the image of God. And this is what exactly we're called to. It says, He blessed them and He said, Be fruitful and increase in numbers, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Do you understand your responsibility? Your responsibility, catch it, it's really simple, is to rule. that thing that you feel, the reason you like Braveheart, the reason you like Gladiator, the reason you like those movies, because your job, you were designed to rule. He put you here to have dominion over the earth. He put you here to lead your family. He put you here to lead your company, to lead your friends, to lead this table, to do that well. And the reason that you find pain in your life is because we're not doing that. It amazes me when I was reading in Genesis 8. After the flood, it said this. It says, Genesis 8, 21, if you guys want to look at it later, it says, every inclination in his heart is evil from childhood. God knew we were just rotten to the core. When I first came to know Christ, I thought, you know, I'm pretty good. Like, I'm all right. I kind of got my stuff together, but I'm just not, I'm not quite there. And the longer I've been a believer, I've realized something. I was rotten to the core. Nothing that I said, nothing that came for me was goodness. It was simply because of God's eternal grace. And even after he flooded it, even after he realized we were rotten to the core, he's like, but I love them. I'm going to send my own son for them. And these men who don't lead their families well yet, who are stumbling over themselves, who spend more time in front of TV than they do in front of their Bible, who have yet to learn how to pray continuously. I love them. And they're going to represent me because they're made in my image. And they're going to rule on my behalf. They're going to be representatives here on earth until the new heaven comes. So as you guys are sitting at your tables today, I want you to share about why we're getting into the Bible. I want you to share how you're doing that. Always keeping in the back of your minds that this is not a self-help program. This is a program about God changing our hearts and our lives. And for us to do that, we have to be the same thing Kyle always says, is faithful, available, teachable. We have to be authentic. We have to be transparent. And we have to learn on a daily basis how do we pick up our cross and follow him? How do we humbly serve and walk alongside him? How do we take that pride that wells up and learn how to bury it over and over and over and over again until one day you wake up and you realize it's just not there because I'm becoming more like Jesus. And when that happens, you're going to see amazing things happen. You're going to see miracles happen because they will then look at us and say, these men have been with Jesus. It won't be because of your job. It won't be because of your income. It won't be because of your position. You will say, they will say of you the same thing they said of Jesus. They speak with authority and you will know because as we were made to rule. I love you guys. Circle up at our tables and we'll chat in a little bit.